0: Captain yeah, Kirk. Fascinating. <laughs> I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. Thank you, thank you. Love you. Mwah.
1: Most illogical. I
0: thought. Well, that was different. Yep.
1: rousy, but different. Places, please. And here we go. Welcome, ladies, gentlemen, bears, Yonandans, and things, to episode 64 of the Up a Trek podcast. I'm Jarman.
0: And I'm Steve, and we're here to compare, contrast, and confer about our two favorite franchises. And German, what are those?
1: Those are, of course, The Muppets and Star Trek, and we do one-to-one reviews of The Muppet Show and Star Trek The Original Series.
0: And this week we have special Muppet Show guests Leslie and Warren and the original series episode, For the World is Hollow and I Have Touched the Sky. <laughs> Take a breath. <laughs> it's a Jarman, one. first, do we have any feedback?
1: We sure do. And actually, we missed this feedback with our last recording. Um... But we had a fun comment from our friend of the show, Paul Wright, on Facebook, and it's in regards to our Helen Reddy and Specter of the Gun episode, um, and where he's he's going to present his own transporter malfunction of sorts. Uh, he says, I have a suggestion okay. for a replacement in the Star Trek episode and the Muppets episode, Gary Busey. So he says – Okay, just
0: throw him in there.
1: He says he could replace Gary Busey uh, – replace Chekhov's love interest in the saloon. Because Gary Busey, apparently in Under Siege, wears a dress, and he says that'd be a perfect replacement for Chekhov's love interest.
0: All right. I can see that.
1: And also, he could get away with replacing Helen Reddy, and I don't think anyone would notice, he says. And he he <laughs> gives a, I am woman, hear me roar. <laughs> so thank you, Paul, for that wonderful image.
0: <laughs> and apparently, he has informed me we are on their episode of the Cosmic Pizza podcast coming up on, I believe, March 2nd.
1: Oh yeah, so but depending on when this episode comes out, check out the Cosmic Pizza Podcast, March second. Steve and I will be guests on there, and it'll be, it's a fun listen, great show. So check it oh, out. Oh man, people.
0: we had a lot of fun and really ruined their family show.
1: Yeah, and it was like two hours of recording material. So I don't know what Paul had to do to edit I that down. I don't know down.
0: what bodies he salvaged from that fire.
1: <laughs> so thanks, Sean, <laughs> uh, and Peter, Daniel, Peter Hitch, and for Paul for that. It was a lot of fun. So, Steve, tell us uh, this week about our guest star on Muppets, Leslie Ann Warren. Who is this woman?
0: Well, Leslie is a Golden Globe winner and Oscar-nominated singer-actor who also starred on Broadway. Mm. She moved to television and film and is still working to this day with her most recent IMDb credits confirmed in 2021.
1: Apparently, she was in Daredevil, I think it said, for like an episode. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, Maybe. Something like that.
0: But what does our audience know her from? Well, her heyday was really in the late 70s to mid 80s. But what I know her from is playing the role of Miss Scarlet in the now comedy cult favorite Clue. She's fabulous in that role, too. Everybody is fabulous in that movie. (laughs) What's she up to this week on The Muppet Show? Well, the backstage plot this week mostly surrounds the fact that Gonzo can't quite get his motorcycle act correct. On stage, Kermit introduces the knife throwing act of Leslie and Warren only to realize that the guest is actually Leslie Ann Warren. <laughs> Kermit then introduces Gonzo to do his motorcycle act, who drives it up a ramp into Statler and Waldorf, who have been chained to their chairs. But Gonzo gets halfway off the ramp and then rolls backwards. <laughs> Next, we get Leslie and Warren and dog lion performing a ballet version of beauty and the beast. And it ends with Leslie turning into a beast uh, and then doing a vaudeville dance with dog line. It was kind of a nice subversion of expectations. <laughs> Following this, we have pigs in space. The ship is about to be bombarded by Dumbo rays. The captain is overtaken and stupefied. The effects are short lived, but turn the captain into a tap dancer. <laughs> Makes perfect sense. Next at the stage is Dr. Teeth singing a groovy version of Mac the knife. He's interrupted and joined by Sam the Eagle, who takes issue with the lyrics as Dr. Teeth explains to him that it's about a man buying cushions for his wife. (laughs) Marvin Zugs and the Muppaphone hit the stage. Leslie is appalled by the treatment of the Muppaphone. Rolf finally joins Leslie, and uh, the piano comes out, and they perform just the way you are, and it's a nice sweet song. Kirby introduces Gonzo's second attempt at his jump. Gonzo takes off the ramp, ramming into Stantler and Waldorf's booth, completing the jump. Uh, It is just spectacular. We then find ourselves in a disco club where Link tries to pick up Leslie or rather the other way around, and then they end up performing The Last Dance, a, just a disco-fueled number of lots and lots of fun. Mm-hmm. Kermit, thanks Leslie and Warren one last time. Another act comes out, Leslie and Warren, <laughs> to add to the confusion, and that is what we call The Muppet Show. German, what did you think of this week's episode with special guest Leslie and Warren?
1: I actually really enjoyed this episode, um, especially when they actually allowed Leslie Ann Warren to be a little silly because I know her as as you know her from Clue. And I I thought of her as a comedic actress. She's fantastic. So I didn't think of her as a dancer, singer. So um, I was getting a bit bored with the Beauty and the Beast number. But like you said, they subverted expectations. And suddenly she turns into a beast as well and dances around all silly like. And I was like, that was fun. That was cute. And the Just the Way You Are song maybe a little long and slow, but the – preceding scene with her and Marvin and the, the Muppet phone was, was cute. So that like made up for it. Um, and it had pigs in space, but I think they could have used a few more regular Muppet segments. Cause we didn't have much at all of that in this episode.
0: I could agree with that.
1: Um, but Muppet, she was great with the, the Muppets and she was a solid performer. So for me, it was like a good upper middle episode, I think. In,
0: I, I think you nailed it. The upper middle episode. It had one or two of the staples we come to expect. I guess only one really the pigs in space. Had some nice, silly things. She got to show off probably an aspect of herself that she doesn't get to a lot, which is dancing. Yeah, just good. Um, and then you get Last Dance, which was fun to watch and, and had a lot of her dancing, her singing, interacting with lots of disco Muppets. I didn't even know that was the thing I would need to say. But it, really, disco Muppets.
1: it reminded me of the scene from Airplane with her doing ridiculous disco dancing in Airplane. So that's why I like that scene a lot.
0: <laughs> I don't. Is that
1: her? It's not her. She looks very similar. I actually like did a double take too. But she looks she's not her, though. I hadn't thought similar. about
0: it, but you're absolutely right. <laughs> um you know, I think that maybe there were a few misses. Like I admit, just the way you are, that transition was slow. Yeah. And I really wish maybe they could have extended the Marvin Suggs thing out a little bit.
1: Or just on a faster song, more fun song, or something. Uh,
0: and I thought the effect of Gonzo on the motorcycle, both on and backstage when he just like crashes out of nowhere, were just really cool. Oh yeah. Cool to see Gonzo on a motorcycle.
1: That was like so well done that it kind of made up for a lot of other things in the episode too. So,
0: yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm with you in upper to middle episode. I don't think it'll really break, you know, the top three or the top five. Yeah, but it wasn't but offensive. It certainly, It certainly won't be bottom of the
1: barrel. And I'm glad I got to see more of her because I'd never seen more of her before. And so I'm like, hey,
0: she's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm down with it. Uh, some music this week. Beauty and the Beast. This was actually compa- composed by Larry Grossman, who's a longtime Muppet Show associate we've talked about before. And he was the writer of Snoopy the musical. Oh, very nice. Uh, "Mac the Knife by Kurt Wheel and lyrics by Beryl Brecht, Brecht in, in 1928. Uh, from their musical, The Three-Penny Opera. Yes. It's the most popular cover. was in 1959 by Bobby Darren. Oh, the shot babe been,
1: has such teeth, dear. It's
0: good song. <laughs> it's also been covered by the likes of Ella Fitzgerald, Tony Bennett, Ben Crosby, Michael Bublé, and a men, many, many others.
1: Mm-hmm. It the is a Blue very Danube. dark song, but Sam the Eagle was correct. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, the Blue Danube, which was performed by the Muppaphone very briefly, uh, from the Austrian composer Johann Strauss II. Uh, and that's right, he was the waltz king. <laughs> we all knew it. <laughs> if you didn't know it, you know it now. Just the way you are from Billy Joel's uh, Stranger, the Stranger, which released in seventy seven which so this was a relatively recent song when this came out, charted through seventy eight and uh Joel claims that the song came to him in a dream. oh. And then Last Dance, popularly performed by Donna Summer uh, and recorded for the movie soundtrack for Thank God It's Friday. This actually won Paul Jabara the Academy Award and Golden Globe for best original song in 1978.
1: No idea what that movie is. So the song is definitely more popular than the movie. Thank
0: God It's Friday. TGIF. (laughs) (laughs) So, Jaron, what did you think was the best Muppeteering moment in this week's episode?
1: I got to give it to just the crazy coordination that must have gone through to do the crash of Gonzo into the balcony with Statler and Waldorf. Uh, oh, yeah. Choreograph and film that just so they don't see any Muppeteers or any strings or wires and making a whole new prop balcony that they can destroy. I mean, that was just crazy. It was just a yeah, breakaway crazy. balcony. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: I've got to give it solely to, to the dog lion dancer from Beauty and the Beast. Oh, Anytime Dogline, even for one of the big costumes, Dogline is one of the bigger and more unwieldy costumes. That's yeah, huge. <laughs> like that. So to watch him move that way so gracefully, uh, was just was just impressive for whoever was in that suit. Yeah,
1: I wish I could know who was in that suit. That's right. Some professional dancer, hopefully.
0: Uh yeah, d- Jim, they did have a ballet company that they worked with.
1: I figured. Yeah. They'd have to.
0: So, German, tell us about this week's episode of Star Trek, the original series.
1: All right. This episode is for the world is hollow and I have touched the sky. So we open with the Enterprise being attacked by several missiles, which they easily take out. And they eventually track down that they came from a giant asteroid that is actually a huge ship in disguise. And they gauge the trajectory of the ship, the ship planet and figure out that it eventually will run into a Federation colony and destroy itself and the millions of people on the colony. So they have to figure out a way to stop the ship from going there. And they detect that it has breathable air inside. So Bones, Spock, and Kirk beam inside of the, the uh, giant sphere. But just before they beam in, Bones tells Kirk that he is dying of xenopolycythemia, something that he will die of within the year. So it's big ground shaking news, great acting in that scene between them. I thought um they start to investigate the fake planet inside the asteroid, finding no signs of life until these people come out of tubes and attack and subdue them, and bones is knocked out in the process. So they're taken down into the tubes into the planet ship core, where all these people are apparently living under the leadership of the hot high priestess Natira, oh yeah, and they call <laughs> they call their planet the world of Yonata. And they're taken before their oracle, which is this big sun-like uh, shrine-type thing, which can speak. And it demonstrates its power by giving them all a big electric shock. And they're all knocked out by this. And Spock and Kirk end up waking up in this holding room, but Bones is still knocked out. He's apparently had more of an effect from the shock because of his illness. So Kirk eventually has to explain to Spock how Sp- how Bones is dying. Um, and we get a nice moment from Spock where he actually reaches over and touches Bones make sure he's Okay. So suddenly an old man comes in and tells him that he once climbed the Forbidden Mountains on their planet, Yonada, and tells him that for the world is hollow and I've touched the sky and then he dies. And the priestess then comes in and tells him that the old man was punished by the Oracle for having forbidden thoughts, which are apparently monitored monitored by implants in all the Yonadin's heads. Um, so the priestess seems to be very taken with bones. Actually, she's like really fallen for him very quickly. So she, Let's Kirk and Spock go explore the planet while she spends some alone time with Bones. And once they're alone, she professes her love to him and tells him that she wants to marry him, but he tells her that he only has one year to live, so he has reservations on that. Meanwhile, Spock and Kirk go back to the Oracle's room to investigate, but the High Priestess returns and speaks to the Oracle about marrying Bones, which awakens the Oracle and he senses uh, Spock and Bones in the room and zaps them again. He sentences them both to death because of their heresy, but Bones pleads with Natira, the priestess, for their lives, and she allows it after he says he will stay on the planet and marry her after all. So Spock and Kirk return to the Enterprise, and then Bones is implanted with the monitoring device and told about the Book of Secret Knowledge in the Oracle Room, which can only be opened once the planet reaches its destination, which we all know it's not going to reach. It's going to run into this colony. So Bones figures there are probably answers on how to control this giant ship planet in that book of knowledge. So he radios back to Kirk and tells him about it. But as he tells him, his monitoring chip kicks in and knocks him out in pain. So just then Spock and Kirk beam back down to save him just as Natira, the priestess, arrives and Kirk uh, grabs Natira and tells her everything that's going on with her planet, the, the real truth. And she runs off to question the Oracle about it. So Kirk, Spock, and Bones follow her to the Oracle room, but the Oracle is pissed, so it starts superheating the room to kill them all. And Bones tells Kirk and Spock how to access the Book of Secret Knowledge, which allows them to get to the control room for the Oracle. They stop the superheating, get the planet ship back on the right course to the place it's supposed to be going. And in the secret store of knowledge that they find in the ship from that ancient civilization that created this whole thing, they find the cure for Bones' disease. So Bones and Atira break things off, knowing that they need to go off on their own separate destinies or whatever, and then Bones goes back to the ship to be cured. Kirk assures him that they will take him back to Yanada once it reaches its destination in about a year's time, and I really wish we got to see that, Bones going back to Yanada and falling in love. But that's the end of the episode. So, Steve, what do you think of this long-titled episode?
0: Uh, well, the t- title was as long as the episode was kind of okay. <laughs> um, not a bad episode by any means. There were some things I really liked. Uh, I loved the sort of like great joke at the intro of how far technology has come, where the Enterprise is literally blasted by an entire ray of nuclear missiles and they just blow them out of the air like they're butterflies. Oh,
1: yeah, that's true.
0: Just a great juxtaposition right off the bat. Uh, these are some of the most outrageous outfits. <laughs> That we have ever seen in all of Star Trek with those crazy giant multicolored plaids and those goofy donut hat things. They're so colorful. Such weird choices. (laughs) Very. I thought this was a good McCoy episode. Very true. Uh, Though I'm sad to say he played kind of flat. Like basically as soon as he, he fell in love, he kind of turned flat. Like everything was, yes, dear, if that's what you like. It was a lot of that kind of stuff. Hmm. So it just felt a little one note after that point, uh. And then I love the, the the moment I just loved was, uh, when they're in trying to get the book from the Oracle, and the, the heat's on, and and Sp- Spock, how do I open this? You touch the three stars, in the bottom bottom left. Kirk opens it and sees it's a book, and just immediately hands it to Spock.
1: <laughs> you read this. <laughs>
0: And, but then Spock finds the answer that they need within two to four seconds. <laughs> That's all he needs, man. <laughs> um, things I maybe disliked. It was slow. It felt like there was not enough plot. Hmm. Like they had a good concept. They just didn't have enough plot to make it happen.
1: It's fine. It's one I of the times I didn't feel that happen in this episode where I felt that in a lot of other episodes.
0: I, I think there needed to be like a secondary villain. Or, um, a villain with a face, so to speak, because ostensibly the, the Oracle and its power and its reach and its grip were the villain. Right. But I think that needed a face. They could have made that, that old, they could have made that Uh, old man,
1: a bigger part or something that could have worked.
0: Right. Um, so I think that's really what I was missing was a focal point for that. I could see that. Um, it, I, I didn't also like that. It felt like three other episodes we've watched already like some crazy technology and or computer who is somehow keeping less civilized folk in the dark Mm -hmm. Um, that has happened a lot and it also felt weird to have Bones who's like arguably almost as logical as Spock buy in so hard to this and why because of a woman
1: I don't see that him buying into it I saw it as him saying I'm gonna die anyway I'd rather spend it with someone who apparently loves me
0: yeah, I guess, but it just f- it felt so fast
1: because he has that whole moment where he, it is fast, but he has that one moment of dialogue where he she says, do you have a woman? And he actually takes a minute to think about. It. He's like, you know, I don't <laughs> You know. It's like this is this would be great.
0: <laughs> but I think about, you know, sort of the equivalent episode of that with the one where uh, Kirk gets married. Yeah, he's on a planet for months and months. That made sense because the time j- it felt like this needed that time jump, but it just didn't have it.
1: I guess death will do that to you, man. I guess. Quick it decisions. <laughs>
0: um, so I, I agree. Overall, you know, not top tier episode, but we've watched plenty that are worse. Plenty that are worse.
1: Yeah. I think good uh the priestess was a good actress. Um, I like some of the scenes between Bones and Kirk and then about dying and then have getting Bones to be, you know, at least a center of attention for once was kind of cool. So for me, it was also kind of like a Nice little, slightly upper middle episode for me because it wasn't just a boring ass middle, middle episode. I don't know. True. That's just my opinion.
0: It's so, okay. So you got some factoids for us? Yeah. And I'm glad that both the episodes were kind of okay.
1: Kind of all right. <laughs> so, a few things of trivia here. We got uh, polycythemia is a real disease in real life in which the body produces too many red blood cells and is not by itself fatal. So, this xeno polycythemia would be an alien, uh, foreign. A variation of the disease. Um, the voice of the Oracle was played by, can you guess? No. James Dewin, the voice of the Scotty. That's g- right.
0: He always does the extra voice. Exactly. I forgot. It's
1: funny. If it's just going to voice over, then there's no actor revealed. Generally. It's always James Doohan. Um the book of the people that they show that has all the secrets. It's the same exact prop that they use the Chicago mobs of the twenties in star Trek, a piece of the action. Um, There's like a book that had secret knowledge or whatever. Same exact thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the music that accompanies the appearance of the old man played by John Lormer, that old man who dies. He's the same actor, by the way, who plays Dr. Theodore Haskins, who's the doctor in the uh, the pilot episode, the old man doctor. Okay. Remember him? He's like gives him a drink, like Pat and Pike a drink and stuff. Oh, yeah. So he was going to be the doctor on Star Trek, but they kicked him off after the pilot and got bones. Um, so he's now in this episode as the old man. And there's music that go- kicks in as soon as he walks in. And it's the same exact music that they played for the Dr. Theodore Haskins scene in the cage. So it's like almost like a little Easter egg they put in there that he came back. Um, it's a real deep dive trivia piece there. Uh, this is the longest title of any episode in the entire Star Trek franchise to date so far. They have not made a longer episode title yet, but they might in the future. Who knows? (laughs) So, Steve, you got any Trek connection, Muppet connections for us?
0: Oh, boy, do I? Uh, Yes, I do. That's the answer. (laughs) Oh, good. Uh, Leslie Ann Warren played Dana Lambert in the show Mission Impossible, which also featured Leonard Demoy. That's right. And that's the show that actually won her her Golden Globe. Ah, very nice. Uh, Leslie Ann Warren was also in Clue, along with Christopher Lloyd, who played Krug in Star Trek 3, The Search for Spock. You mean Krug was in Clue? <laughs> yeah, Krug was in Clue. <laughs> uh, and then John Lormer, who played the old man, was in the 1982 movie Creep Show. Oh. Also in Creep Show was Ted Danson who did a guest spot on the second episode of the short-lived Jim Henson hour in 1989.
1: And he was also short-lived, uh, shortly married to Whoopi Goldberg, who is on The Next Generation.
0: Bam, there you go. <laughs> uh, and then Byron Morrow, who played Ad- Admiral West Westervalet. Yeah, Wester weird Vallée? name. Weird name. Uh, he was on two episodes of The Love Boat. <laughs> And as we've established, many, many Muppet Show guests and many, many Star Trek one-shot actors have also been on The Love Boat. (laughs) So
1: wonderful. There's just so many actors in that damn show. In it's modern day times if we watch the modern series we could equate that to like uh Law and Order probably. Like every It's kind
0: of genius if you look at it cuz the idea that there's a boat so you have a set crew but then each week it's a different group of guests.
1: Exactly. They should do so n- a, a new genius. one. It's like
0: a machine made for pumping out guest appearances.
1: <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> But, I mean, these shows, they were just exactly the same this week. Basically I'm so tired of this. So what similarities did you find in this episode?
0: Uh, both feature a mistaken identity of type. Kermit and the various Leslie and Warren acts. Mm. And the Yonata not knowing that their people are actually the Fabrini.
1: That's right, which I didn't even mention in my breakdown very much, but that's true.
0: That's okay. They didn't really mention it in the episode that much either.
1: <laughs> uh, both have lovers that if they stay together, it will change their lives forever and not necessarily in a good way. Uh, Leslie and the dog lion in the Beauty and the Beast number um, and Bones and the high priestess in because one will change you into a beast and the other will force you to become part of a cult forever.
0: I literally have almost the exact same thing. <laughs> In Star Trek, McCoy gets married, but first he has to accept the obedience trip, and in the Muppet show, Leslie and the Beast can't be together until she becomes a beast herself.
1: So true. So true. Damn. Um, someone stops an oppressive overlord from the abuse of their subjects, so Kirk stops the Oracle from harming its people, and Warren stops Marvin Suggs from abusing the Muppet phones.
0: Ooh, I like that. I like that. <laughs> but Very what's nice. this? Oh, I hear something.
1: Transporter malfunction. Transporter malfunction. Okay, it's the time of the show where we transport one character from one episode to the other and vice versa. What you got for us, Steve?
0: Uh, Well, this week I've got just taking Leslie Ann Warren and swapping her for Natira Mm. because honestly, from like an age perspective, it could have been her. Like she could have been cast in this role. Yeah,
1: that'd be fair. I'd watch it. Plus, like, I'm sorry, I have to mention it. Leslie Ann Warren is stacked. (laughs)
0: <laughs> and they took a few opportunities to show it off
1: yeah I was like I could see why she wouldn't dance full time because she's a little too top heavy for that. Up <laughs> uh, Muppets to Star Trek I have Leslie Ann Warren in her dance outfit with the beast head to transport right. over as High Priestess Natara specifically because I think it'd be hilarious to have that scene with Bones and Kirk where Kirk says that Bones would have to woo the priestess because she took a liking to him but she has that giant beast head on yeah <laughs>
0: I can get down with that. <laughs> uh, I Trekked him up at this week. I've got taking the crazy old man and swapping him with Statler and Waldorf in their booth, <laughs> ranting and raving in the balcony about his upcoming demise and doom right before Gonzo crashes through with a motorcycle.
1: So I love how we both focused in on the old man, because I have just to be really cruel. I'd have the, the old man who collapses dead and to trade places with Gonzo. <laughs> because as he's just barely clinging to life, he has to try to complete really dangerous motorcycle stunts. (laughs) Uh,
0: That's legit.
1: So now we can just be both of them. He was such
0: a weird character for them to throw in and then just kill him. It was was really weird. weird.
1: They could have utilized that a lot better. Yeah. Um, Yeah. yeah,
0: I admit it was kind of a throwaway.
1: So that brings us to the end of episode 64 of the Muppet Trek podcast.
0: That's right. Join us next time for the Muppet show with special guest, Danny Kay.
1: Yeah. An original series episode,
0: the Tholian web. So from the lovers, the dreamers and us
1: live long and prosper. Everyone. Thanks for listening to the Muppet Trek podcast. Be sure to follow us on social media, on Facebook
0: and Twitter. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform.
1: This podcast has been brought to you by A Play on Nerds.